Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 156, Countdown to LinuxCon, recorded August 17th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. And making up for last week's extremely Linux-heavy show, I promise there will be minimal Linux content this week. But there will be more next week because Seth will be reporting back from LinuxCon. That Seth, of course, is Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson, followed up, followed up, accompanied by his uh, good friend and your good friend and mine, the uh, command line godfather Chris Neves. And I, of course, am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone out there in Internet lands. And I hope you're having a great week. And howdy! Okay, mini pearl action there. <laughs> yep. Growing up, I, figured, you know. I, I don't know about the rest of the world, but growing up in Texas, Hee Haw was on 73 times a week. Um, and we apparently... Funny every time. <laughs> my grandparents loved that show. We watched it every week, and then we watched the reruns. And, uh, you know, if it ever came out on videotape... In their lifetime, they probably bought the videotapes. We this they were a yeah. hee-haw family. I know a few I, families that were like that. I loved it. I keep waiting for them to release the Carol Burnett like complete box seasons. I would buy that. Yeah, totally that, different show there. Yeah, Carol Burnett. That that yeah. that Carol Burnett show was was a singular moment in comedy history. Uh, while we're speaking yes. of comedy history, we need to, uh, we don't need to, but I feel it's germane to mention the passing of the great Robin Williams this week. Um, the world yeah. is a less funny place without you, my friend. Yeah, it's too bad that he had to go that way. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to editorialize too much, but, um, you know, he made a choice and, what we feel, I think uh, Mike Rowe, uh, the Dirty Jobs guy, I follow him on Facebook, and he wrote uh, an article about it. And I, the line that I loved was, you felt something too shallow to call grief, but too deep to ignore. And I thought that that pretty well sums it up right there. Robin, yeah. uh, I felt the same thing when Jonathan Winters passed, um, you know, and, and now Robin Williams. Those two guys are, are were some of the, the greats of comedy from two different generations but they intersected briefly there in their time on Mork from Work, and I think is some of the best comedy ever when those two guys were on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love agree. Jonathan Winters. Yeah. Uh, and so that's enough depressing news there. I'll let you know that to just today, mere moments ago, I donated in your name, the Everyday Linux name, to the Linux Mint Project. Um, Sweet. That was already scheduled. Uh, next week, uh, next month, I I plan to do the Sonar GNU slash Linux project. Um, Very again, good. Very in good. your name. Um, cool. I like that idea a lot. And yeah, I don't have a big I don't have a big list yet. I'm just sort of playing this by ear. But there's so many great things out there that I don't think we're going to run out anytime soon. Uh, but uh, and in case you don't remember, you're a, a new listener or whatever. I take ten percent of the what I make off of the show from advertisements, from the elementopi.com/slash/amazon link, from the elementopi.com/slash/audible link, uh, from donations and, and whatever, how whatever it is at the end of the month, and, and that's why here it is the middle of the month, and I'm just now uh, uh, donating for July. It takes a little while for all the tickles ticklers to settle down. 
uh, tickers. That's the word. While I, I get the <laughs> statements from the various places, I put it all up. I take 10% of it. Usually it's a little more than 10 and, uh, and throw it, throw it to somebody that, uh, is important to this show. And Linux Mint yep. is the distro of choice for this show still, although, uh, based on what Chris has to say, that may be changing. Um, but, uh, right now, Linux Mint is, is the one that we point people toward. And so it seemed appropriate to throw them a few bucks in your name. It was, I think it's an awesome thing. And, it, you know, without you guys as as listeners and donators, we couldn't do that. Exactly. So thank you. It, thank it you. It is your money. I'm not donating my money. I'm donating your money, and I thank you for that. Uh, Chris, you had some experience with a new distro this week. Tell us a little bit about it. I did. I played with Manjaro. Like I um, said last week, I, after looking at Sonar and how uh, interesting and how well writ- how well rounded that whole distro seemed to be, um, after a week of Manjaro... Uh, I'm not 100% happy with it, but it's only a week. So um, I've had a week of KDE. Um, this week I'm going to throw in probably, I don't know if I'm going to do GNOME or if I'm going to do um, LX, whatever. D-E. Yeah, LXDE or one of the other desktops to see if I like it better. Their KDE implementation feels a little... I don't want to say sluggish, but it feels. Nah, I, I can't put my finger on how to, to describe it. It's not slow, but it, it just doesn't feel like the KDE that I've known and loved for the last couple of months or last couple of years. The, you know, the four point releases. Uh, it, it feels like it's gone back a little bit. So I don't know if there's a code base change on me, and I'm not. I just haven't seen it yet. Or if they're amping up for KDE5 and this is kind of the, the underpinnings are starting to change over. Um, but something just doesn't feel normal. So, um, and for those that don't know, Manjaro is an arch base distro. So, uh, I'm way out of my element and a lot of the command line tools that I, you would normally use to update things and install things don't work. So uh, I'm kind of flattering around like a newbie. I uh, periodically try different distros. I uh, when when we had uh, Roberto from Black Lab Linux on, I uh, he gave us uh, an ISO and and I put that on there and I liked it. Their interface was a little too minimalist for me. I don't really like the minimalist interface, um, uh, but the the distro itself is really solid. I've just never found anything, and I keep trying. I, I'm not, you know, it's not a great search, but every now and then I download an ISO and play with it for a while. I'm looking for some the 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 Mint killer, and so far I haven't found it. Mint is the one that just works out of the box. It's the most grandma approved OS I've found so far. And see, I, one thing that I noticed that it might change my opinion on Mint is that they're they're stepping back into the long term release cycles a little bit, and you know, there's bits of me that just cringe at that because then that means you're going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to any updates. And I don't know. Um, hopefully they, they maintain a current cycled, um, release and a long-term release to go hand in hand because otherwise they're going to lose people. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I just, because I know that I've some audience, some small sliver of the audience is uh, is interested in this, and because it's not Linux, and because it's just cool, I want to tell you about a new 
um, addition or enhancement or change, whatever you want to call it, to my coffee rig. You know, I haven't talked about it in a while, but I'm still regularly, once a month, uh, pretty much, I can make enough coffee in one batch to last my my wife and me and our guests here and there a month, um, which I can, my I do about two and a half to three gallons at a time of the extract. Um, so one of the things that has, has been a, a bear all along is filtration, getting separating the liquids from the solids, you know, and, I, right. and I've detailed the the bucket with the drain in the bottom and the, the coffee filters. And I've tried different things. I tried the Buchner funnel initially. Well, the, it's probably two months ago, I replaced the, uh, the inline water filter in my refrigerator. And I was looking at that mm-hmm. cartridge thinking, oh, wonder. So I've had that running around in the back of my head for, you know, several weeks now. And yesterday, I went to one of my favorite places in the world, the plumbing aisle at the big box uh, home improvement <laughs> store. Because I like to just go there and I usually grab a cart or something and I'll just sit there in the aisle and just invent. Look at, okay, I can see this and I can run it into this and I can adapt. And, and I might spend hours, the two or three hours there without buying anything yet, without even knowing what I'm going to buy. I'm just inventing. I'm, I'm piecing things together and I'm, I'm visual like that. I need to see the spatial, um, I, sometimes I'll get my CAD program out and draw things out because I can visualize it that way. Uh, Google SketchUp, mm-hmm. by the way. Excellent poor man's CAD program. Just a little plug there. Um, but so what I, what I came up with was you, you gotta, you gotta visualize this because it's a little abstract. A, uh, a two foot piece of four inch PVC pipe. Okay. So four inch in diameter. Um, two end caps that drop that down. To two inches. Two inserts there that drop it down to an inch and a quarter. Why Why the, the downsizing? Because my shop vac hose is an inch and a quarter outer diameter. So okay. I have this two-foot two section of pipe. In one end, I took a regular circular shower drain. Next time you're in the shower, look down. That, st- that stainless steel plate, that's what I have. Okay? Took that. And I wrapped two coffee filters around it. Okay. I stuck it. It's a perfect four inches di- diameter. It goes onto the end of the PVC pipe. I put the end cap on it, holds it in place. I've got my, my downsizers on either end. And then I've got some uh, quarter, one and a quarter inch inner diameter uh, flexible uh, tubing, um, silicon tube, all food grade stuff. Um, and then I stick that. I can stick my hose right of the shop vac right into that. Okay. I filled the pipe almost completely full with gravel, just uh, aquarium gravel. What most people don't know is uh, aquarium gravel is food grade. Fish are even more sensitive than people are about chemicals and things like that. So it's been washed and purified. So filled it with uh, just plain old aquarium gravel. So now I have a uh, a foot and 10 inches, a uh, foot and eight inches of, of aquarium gravel in this tube. I sh- bungee corded that tube to like a TV tray. So now I've got this horizontal tube. I stuck a hose in one end and stuck the hose down in the bucket. I stuck a hose in the other end and ran it into my five-gallon bucket. I've got a lid and uh, a, two holes in the lid, one incoming, one outgoing. So the shop vac sucks air out of the one side, which then empties the air out of the, the bucket and then pulls the air through the tube, pulls it through the the long cartridge and sucks the coffee in the in the grounds up. So this coffee water slurry 
comes in. He gets trapped in the, the gravel and works its way down and gets stopped at the filter. And what comes out is pure. I, I, I ran it. I pull, took what came out and ran it through another coffee filter and nothing. I mean, it was just absolutely pure. No grounds at all. It sucked it up. The only problem is I'm going to have to move up from the five gallon buckets because, you know, I've told, I've had this told you about this problem before with too much suction. Well, now increasing the diameter of all my hoses, this bucket went completely down. I actually, uh, it, it, it crunched it down to maybe four inches high and maybe <laughs> eight inches across at the most. Just, nice. just tin can shrunk. So I, I pulled it out, pounded it out, stuck a couple of my wife's aluminum cake pans in there just to hold it so that it couldn't collapse in anymore. And that's, it's actually processing right now. Um, but the, the process works beautifully. And when I'm done, I'll just be able to rinse the coffee off the gravel and maybe run it through the dishwasher to sterilize it, reuse the gravel. And so I, I took basically that big filter, the, the little filter that you see in the, in the refrigerator and grande sized it. Um, yeah, you did. And it works beautifully. And the whole rig piping and gravel and everything was 30 bucks maybe. And I found on eBay a uh, place that sells used, dented, and dinged um, soda canisters. Uh, basically a keg is what that is. So I bought one of those for 20 bucks, and that's going to be my new pressure vessel. That's, that's what they're there designed to do, right? You put CO2 in. They're designed to hold a pressure of at least 15 PSI. Uh, of course, they're designed to hold pressure, hold pressure in, not hold pressure out. So I may have run in some trouble there, uh, you know, because they're not vacuum. The, the seals might have some problems, but I can, I can engineer around that. So that's uh, the next month <laughs> when I run out of coffee, I'll be using that, uh, what's it called? Kirk, uh, I forgot the name of it. It's a certain type of keg, keg that starts with a C. Coolier keg, coolie keg, something like that. Anyway, um, that's that's what I did today in my mad scientist workshop. <laughs> wow, well, it sounds like sounds... you had a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim in the chat room said that is so redneck. Yes, it is. It is redneck, but it works. Um, and most what you know, I I can hear people cringing. You pour it through gravel. Uh, almost all water filtration systems use gravel as a filter medium often yeah, i mean gravel or sand right gravel sand which is small gravel yeah, which is it's inert it's an inert uh um silicon you know, sand is is almost pure silicon gravel is is usually well can be any kinds of uh, things but um I- anything that it might pull, pull off would be a mineral that is already that you probably take in a multivitamin anyway iron calcium you know uh yeah. things like that you know, calcium carbonate, that if you've ever popped a Tums, that's eating a stick of chalk. <laughs> that's <laughs> we, we do this sort of stuff all the time. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I made a, a sediment filter, essentially. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I just, I really get it. I, I could probably do go buy something that would do all of this stuff, but that's not nearly as much fun. I want to engineer, uh, I want... You know, I want duct tape. I, I actually used duct tape to seal a couple of, of places where the, the hoses didn't quite line up. Instead of siliconing it, get the gray duct tape out. Then that works yeah. just fine. Uh, so that, that was, works, man. That was That's my, funny. you know, I, I did a little home repairs and then I 
they I I grande size the coffee rig, and because the way this works, you know, it's now a continuous flow process. So this device, and of course, just use bigger pipe, more gravel. I could conceivably process thousands of gallons using this method, you know. And so, hmm. right, uh, it's it's I'm all I'm, I'm all looking forward to the head uh, to the day when I open up my own, you know, Mark Bucks. Um, Stuck coffee shop string. <laughs> That'll be awesome. I can't wait to see it in mass production. How big are you planning on taking it? Well, it's it's a chicken and the egg thing right now. Right now, I have the capacity with my current stuff to do five gallons easily. I don't ever do five gallons. The most I ever do is two and a half to three just because that's all I can consume in a month. And it starts to get a little funky after a month. I've kept some around as long as three months. And it's it's still good at three months, um, but a, a month is is best. Um, so it's expensive to make and time consuming, and it has a finite shelf life. So I don't want to make a bunch when I don't have customers, but I don't I I won't I'll have a hard time getting customers when I don't have product. So yeah. you know it's, what I want to do is you know start small, selling it to my friends and everybody who's tried it really likes it. But the problem is the people Except who one who, guy. Except one, yeah, Seth didn't like it. <laughs> Seth absolutely couldn't stomach it. Uh, but if you if you like gas station coffee, you're not the kind of person who's going to buy my coffee. If you like gourmet coffee, you, you are, right? So my target is a very niche audience because you're not going to pay the kind of money I have to charge because this is a super dense extract that it costs a lot of money to make. That five-gallon batch, my, my cost on it, not counting my time, is about fifty bucks, so right. Um, so, I mean, my the, excuse me, the two gallon batch is, is fifty dollars. So I, you know, if I'm going to sell that, I've got to mark it up two or three times that to cover labor and shipping and all that good sort of stuff. So it's a it's a it's a it's a niche market there. I can't just sell it to the guys who will buy the coffee at you know at um, at the gas station and think it's good. So I've got to find a right group of people, the coffee snobs. But then the coffee snobs usually have their own thing. And they their their snobbery is dedicated. So yep. In the end, I'm probably just going to end up making a couple of gallons a month for me and my wife. Realistically, yeah. But it's cool because you reverse engineered it. Yeah, I like it. It's fun. Um, enough coffee talk. I do want to shout out to Door to Door Geek. I mentioned last week that I suck so much at Patreon. And so he sent me, when the show came out, he sent me an email. The subject was, read this from home, because I commented on the fact that I can only do it on a on a PC. I can't do it on my phone. And the body was uh, Patreon. So it was, you know, subject line, uh, read this from home, body, Patreon. Um, so I, I, I laughed and sent back and said, uh, great, do that every week. And he sent me back a screenshot of his if then that, uh, if this then that account whereas if uh everyday linux rss feed update then send email to mark that says read this at home (laughs) (laughs) so every week when the show comes out he'll send me a reminder email so thank you door not only are you providing a service but you made me laugh yeah that's 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 funny i love if this then that that's one of my favorite programs next to uh trigger i think it's called trigger or tagger or something I've never used it. I've never really had a reason to, or maybe I do have a reason to, and I don't know it. Yeah, that's what I found out when I started playing with the one I have is, uh, 
if then if this then that doesn't do NFC tags. So my current use of it w- is pointless, but uh the tagger program or trigger I'd have to look and see what it is and I'm not going to right now. Tasker? Um it No, now I'm going to look. Okay. <laughs> Darn you, Mark. Well, while Anyway, we... what it Go what ahead. what it does is it allows me to um read these little NFC trigger points that I've that I've set up myself and then it does things based on what the point has been programmed to do. So like because of my new job and I have to drive on a, a kind of a dangerous highway, my wife wants me to text her when I get to work. So I brought one of these little tickers, these little trigger that's the name of the program is trigger on your Android device. Um and they sell NFC stickers that you can get and I have a couple right here. And if you're watching the show, these little trigger stickers have a NFC, um, I don't know if you can see it in the video. You see a little, nope, it's too fine. But anyway, you can program it to automatically do things with your cell phone, like send a predefined text or, and set your volume levels or, and the list goes on. So now when I get to work, instead of having to manually type out, hey, honey, I made it to work, I just swipe my phone over this trigger point, and it sends her a text. It reduces my volume level on my phone to vibrate, and a couple other things that I can't remember off the top of my head. And then when I leave for the day, I have another one in my car that resets my volume levels, tells my wife I'm on my way home, and starts my podcaster, my uh, podcast show. The, what? the whatever one is currently in the play on the playlist, so it it makes my life simpler because I only had to set it up once, and now I can do it over and over and over and over. Hmm. So if if you're looking for something that you needed a, a a trigger point for, you can get these little stickers from their application. You can get I got thirty of them for like twenty bucks, um, and they're nice. They they work. Then they're fun. I had an app that. Uh that did GPS based things and uh and also when you connect to certain Wi-Fi's. So I mm-hmm. had it to do the same sort of thing. When I hit a certain point on my way home, it would send a text to my wife saying I'm about uh you know X minutes out. Um and it I found that this particular app was was a battery hog because it was constantly polling. Um mm-hmm. and also when it grabbed this text messaging thing, I wouldn't get text messages from anyone it like it just wow. grabbed them so it, it was just i'm not going to say the name of it because it may have been improved since then but it wasn't a great app um and then i just kind of never went back to it when i need to let somebody know something i do it myself yeah this one isn't bad because it uses nfc um so it's you actually have to touch the little sticker basically with your phone in order for it to work um but it uses the tech that's already in your phone in android phones so it doesn't really waste any juice either yeah so it, it just and then because nfc is turned on i can also use those bump pay locations that have um the little nfc reading for paying for your drinks or whatever i saw one of those for the first time at the hardware the, the uh not the hardware store the uh drugstore local cvs i think it was um had one of those first time I'd ever seen one. Uh, and I mean, I know they exist, but I just hadn't seen one in the wild. And, uh, I have hmm. Google wallet on my phone and my phone is NFC capable, but I don't have a credit card connected to it. Uh, because I don't want my kids accidentally downloading stuff 
So I have to transfer <laughs> money into Google Wallet anytime I want to do something. So I couldn't ca- test it. But I, I wanted to, I've bought like a gallon of milk or something at the local store and I wanted to, to, uh, to test it. And I couldn't. So I were, but now that I know it's there, now because it's, it is the geeky way to pay. Just tap your phone. That's right. right. And it's, it's the same basic idea for me to send my, all my little text messages and things with these little stickers. So I have to figure out what I'm going to do with them next. Cause every time I, I think of something, I get distracted and I don't get to program <laughs> my phone to do something. So I have like 20 of these stickers now that I'm not using, but I had use for all of them. And now I don't remember what they all were. So Seth, with uh, with all due respect to nineteen uh, seventies pop music, you're leaving on a jet plane. I am. Uh, LinuxCon starts Wednesday, and they like do these things before. So there's like this security conference that starts Monday. That I'm probably not going to make it to the Monday show or the Monday portion of it because uh, one of the um, EDL listeners uh, works for an airline and got me uh, buddy passes, so I'm flying free on standby. Let's totally plug uh, th- that airline, Seth. Yeah, well, it's Southwest. Yeah, let's so, do that. Uh, yeah, well, Man I'll, I'll figure it afterwards. Yeah, and afterwards, I'll, I'll you know I'll hook them up on how good they did. So um, I- I'm really I'm. It's kind of, it's kind of scary to be flying standby because I've got to get there and there's a chance I might not make it. Um, and then, you know, I'm not renting a car. I refuse to rent a car, uh, while I'm there because they caught co- it costs like 40 bucks a day to park anywhere. Yeah. So I'm Ooh. just, uh, I'm either going to be walking it or taking the train or maybe doing a shuttle to and from the airport. But, uh, that's my thing. So I'm, I'm leaving Monday and I won't get back or I'm leaving there Saturday morning early to do the same thing coming back home. So, um, yeah, Southwest Airlines. I've, I've actually never flown Southwest before. So this will be a first for me. I've heard great things about their customer service. Um, and I'm looking forward to putting it to the test. Last time I flew Southwest was 1992. So I'm not sure my, experiences are germane anymore Uh, but uh yeah i have a friend who works for delta and every time his family goes somewhere they fly standby and they always make it so it's it's just you just have to be willing to take the 3 a.m red eye you know if it comes to that yeah uh so um my flight is scheduled to leave at 11 and then there's a couple of ones there if i get bumped but my flight coming back um looking you know um he was on the he was looking on the website so i have to be at the air or i leave from chicago at eight in the morning so i've got to get up early and get to the airport you know by like six or so so i can be there ready to go um saturday to come home but yeah it's uh it'll be an interesting experience something i've never done before and uh you know i'm i'm that guy who fears change and who fears new stuff <laughs> so um you know i'll definitely be getting out of my comfort zone uh and then of course once i'm at linux con i'm going to have to actually talk to people and try to interview them <laughs> so uh i'm really uh i'm really kind of got to kind of leave the shell at home and uh, strike out into the vast unknown world Fine. Uh, our little boy is growing up. Aww. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because the show wouldn't be complete if I didn't mention a movie review, uh, I want to. I saw. I bought this weekend um, the Muppet uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Um, 
you know, Friday night tends to be movie night at our house, and, and we have a large selection of movies, but uh, not all of them are kid movies, and we had kind of gone through our recent selection of kid movies. So on the way home, I stopped at the store and picked up Muppets Most Wanted, and um, I got to say I was disappointed in it. it well, uh, no, let me back off. It it is it's a fine muppet movie it fits right in there with the little with the lesser known ones like muppets from space and uh muppet uh muppets take manhattan it's it's one mm-hmm. of those you know mediocre not bad muppet movies um but the last one you know the the jason Segal, um amy adams muppet movie was so far above it was it was as good as the original muppet movie um, it was wow. th- it was so far above all the others, right? That I thought, all right, it's a rebirth. It's great. The Muppets are back again, and unfortunately, it is a rebirth because it follows just as as bad as the second movie did. So it was okay. It's fine. You're gonna and your your kids are gonna be fine. The music is is fine. It's everything is fine. It's just not great. And I thought That's the last the one was great. Um, I'm fine. <laughs> You never want to hear when you're out with someone and they say it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like fine. anything but. And and you know, there's that's not a that's not a, a negative thing. Fine is good. Fine means there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not great. It's fine. Right. Um, I did also while I was humdrum. While I was there, I picked up um in the five dollar movie bin Rock of Ages with uh tom cruise i don't know if you guys have seen that one it was originally a broadway play actually it was originally an off-broadway play started in i think los angeles then moved to broadway then made a movie it's a few years old i had seen it in the hotel one night when my wife and i were were staying somewhere for like an anniversary or something uh it was okay i I bought it uh again because it was in the five dollar bin it stands up to a second viewing better it's one of those movies that gets better so it's uh yeah Cool. It's a jukebox movie. All the uh, it's a it's a musical, right? So you just got to get that out of your system early on. Um, so it's you know it's sharks in the jets and rumbles in the street kind of stuff. Uh, but <laughs> but it's a it's a '80s hair metal movie. So all right. the music is extreme and warrant and uh, you know uh, Guns and Roses and and it's got everybody you would know in it it's got Alec Baldwin and Tom Cruise and Julianne Hough and um the weird english guy that everybody knows whose name just flew out of my head um it's got Paul Giamatti uh it's 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 good uh and yeah. it was better on second viewing so you know maybe skip the muppets go with rock of ages go to go to your local walmart if you have the same batch of of movies i think they do that i think they pretty much across the country have the same batch of crappy movies uh pick that one up <laughs> and and one more i'm sorry i it, i didn't mean to turn it into the movie corner but i also picked up one that just on a whim uh the, it was a kirk cameron movie um so you know it's going to be heavy-handed and religious so if you're into heavy-handed religious movies and i am um, this one was called the mercy rule uh, and it was way better than I thought. I expected it to be okay, but it was really good. It was right up there with uh fireproof and, um, uh, facing the giants. If you're, if you and your family like those kind of movies, you'll like Kirk Cameron's mercy rule. So hmm. there we go. There's my movie review section of the show. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and then I think the last little bit of oh we got one more. Chris is uh, spent some time with his brothers. That sounds dangerous. Yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> Let's just say that a lot. I'm glad that a lot of things were only in my 
in my parents' backyard instead of down being in public. Um, we had a lot of fun, um, a lot of probably over, overindulged a little bit on the alcohol, but it's all right. I don't see all of, I don't see all three of them at one time very often. So it was kind of nice to, to, you know, have fun and, and just let it all out. Um, needless to say though, my two of my brothers, including my pain in the neck one, ended up in the pool and I did not. So I can just say <laughs> I was the winner of last night. <laughs> cool. And Seth, you have some, some new news as well. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about the web 2.0 lifestyle and, um, one of these email lists I subscribed to sent out a thing with like good deals on it. And one of them was an awesome deal. You basically get a new TV for like $200, 40 inch Toshiba, uh, good quality, but you had to be a student. And the way they did that was your, your email address had to end with dot edu. So my niece is a student at a uh, school. And so I asked her, I said, Hey, register for this for me. And, uh, she did gave me the coupon and I now have this humongous 40 inch television in my bedroom. Uh, you know, this might be my last show. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I've got, I've got this TV way bigger than I need. Um, just, you know, yeah, one more 40, reason. 40 inch TV in a 48 inch room. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, no, it, the room, I, I did not, of course, you know, I mean, it's the house I grew up in, um, that, um, I, you know, I moved back home temporarily and I got stuck there. Um, you know how it is when you have older parents, yeah. but, um, I didn't realize until I went out into the world, how big our bedrooms were. So, you know, I mean, granted it still makes the room look freakishly small, but the room can hold it. So. All right. So there was, we are warmed up now. That was a long warm up oh, yeah. section, but that's okay. That's what this show is about. Let's get the Linux stuff. Uh, out of the way. Uh, on to the listener feedback. Travis reports back, kind of, about his cluster computing. He says, hey guys, I was stoked to hear you guys actually reading my email, and I laughed along with you guys on your experience with cluster computing. After a bit more research into cluster computer building, I've decided that I'll be taking your advice about building up a network. I'm going to build a new i7 rig next year for power uh, using uh, a gaming, uh, for power use and gaming but I'm fairly sure that gaming and spinning up VMs on the same machine would be conflicting for resources. There's just one problem. I honestly don't know jack about VMs other than the basic principle that they uh, operate on. Do you guys cover this in one of your podcasts? If not, could you guys delve into a rant about such things? Uh, <laughs> hardware needs good VM OS distros and what the pros and cons of VMware versus KVM. Um, even if it's uh, whoop, lost, uh, scrolled too much. Uh, even if time doesn't permit a mini rant that contains some good references I can use would be most helpful. Uh, will I need to build an all-out PC for spinning VMs, or would I just need to run a couple VMs on a NAS backup media server PC? I had thoughts of using a mini ITX board for the NAS build, and was thinking probably just max out those boards with SATA for storage uh, and serving... Uh, max the 16 gigs RAM that is on most mini ITX boards with a, with, and RAM and a decent sized, uh, anyway, he's going on to the specs. I'll stop there. Um, 
Uh, will I need that? I have no idea. I'm completely lost. Background, I have the following devices. Two phones, four TVs, iPad, Nexus 7, two iPods, and as of 2015, I will total of, have a total of five PCs, two outfitted to game, PS3, and a PS4, two teenage boys. Uh, and uh, by accident, I found a nice clean setup to house the above and uh, build unless I'm completely lost. And he has a link there to his uh, cabinet, I guess it is. Uh, he says, thanks again and keep up the good work. Uh, we have talked about VMs off and on. I don't know that we have done a whole show on it. Maybe we have, maybe not. I can't remember. Uh, but I think ahead, we Seth. have, but it's been yeah, so it's been long ago. It would probably be a good idea to cover it again just because, you know, sometimes the company that used to be the best has, you know, rested because they were the best right. and hardware changes constantly as well. So that might be a great future show topic. So just, yeah, a, just a few things. Uh, there are two kind. Ca- you mentioned both a, a virtual machine and a hypervisor there. You don't even know that, but with VMware and KVM, KVM takes over your whole machine and does nothing but serves VMs on it. So you don't have an OS plus VMs. You have a VM device. Whereas like VMware... Okay, Mark. Yes? That's not 100% true anymore. Okay. The Fedora build of the, the newest versions of Fedora, you can install KVM and it will run like VirtualBox does. Okay. So that so, it's, so there there is a non hypervisor version of it. Um, well, what it is is that they just added the hypervisor parts to the Fedora the 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 GUI interface into the Fedora build because KVM is built into the kernel already. Right. So all it is doing is pulling those hooks. So yeah. you, it doesn't take over the machine anymore. Uh, but you can. They do make distros like. Uh, was it Proxmox, Proxmox that takes over the whole machine? You f- and and you do everything through KVM at, from a remote. You like use a, a web browser or a terminal, com- uh, an SSH terminal to do all the configuring. So v- KVM has grown up and it's now on par with VirtualBox and v- VMware as far as not taking over your whole machine anymore. Okay. Now, in my uh, previous experience, VirtualBox, uh, at least the consumer version, the the no-cost version, you had to dedicate X amount of RAM. So as soon as a machine fires up, say you, you give it 2 gigs of your total 16 gigs of RAM, nothing else can use that 2 gigs of RAM. VMware Server, you could allocate 2 gigs of RAM, and it will dynamically allocate it. So I had a VMware Server machine where I used to work. And you added up all the machines, and they probably had somewhere around 80 gigs of RAM uh, um, allocated toward them. But the physical box only had 64 gigs. So it would shuffle around RAM as it needed it. So that's why I went with VMware Server over VirtualBox in that environment. So if you're, yeah. you're going to fire up like three VirtualBox machines, each one of them is going to take a certain set of resources and hold on to it the whole time. Uh, so in, in terms of, you know, will I need, will that be okay for performance? That there's your answer right there. And that also includes the processor. So you wouldn't want to stick it on your NAS, which is going to have a low power processor, a lot, maybe a lot of RAM and a whole lot of storage. I mean, it, it grabs a chunk of your processors too, and it's sharing that load. It, mm-hmm. The virtual processors spread across your existing processors. 
So I, I don't think, for example, in my case, I have my my basic laptop and I do keep VMs on it. I don't keep them running all the time. If you want to have VMs running all the time, it'd probably be a good idea to have a dedicated VM machine. But that dedicated VM machine could also be your gaming machine if you're willing to shut down the VMs while you're gaming. Right. So in my, depending on what all you're looking for, I mean, it sounds like he just needs a NAS in a media server. So what you could look at doing is just buying, and I'm, anymore, I've, I've gotten to the point where I just want to buy a box. I know it's going to work it and do it right. Um, so you could look at something like, uh, you know, and it, it's going to be a little spendy, but something like Drobo that automatically comes with the NAS software, the backup programs, and you can put like Plex in it to serve the media. So, I mean, there's a couple other devices that do that. I mean, that might be a choice because then it's a buy it once and just upgrade it over time. You don't have to look at, you know, dumping it every couple of years for an upgrade. Um, And then you could host, you, you could then host the VM. Part- or the images on anything that you're VMing on that as well, because you can connect to it over what's called iSCSI. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's an option. I don't know if that's the way that you want to go, but it would be a way to go. I never had much luck with iSCSI. I know it's a thing, and it's an industry standard thing, but in my personal experience, um, plain old Ethernet performed better than trying to do iSCSI. The idea of iSCSI is you have... Uh, the SCSI interface, which is a uh, uh, small computer systems interface, SCSI, SCSI, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, um, SCSI hard drives were a thing for a while. They're, they've been pretty much uh, obviated by uh, SATA these days and eSATA. Uh, but iSCSI is an implementation of the SCSI interface over Ethernet. Uh, so yep. I for Internet, even though it really should be E for Ethernet. Uh, so you can have a quote-unquote directly attached hard drive somewhere else um, yeah it's a block device is what they is basically yeah. what it looks at it's supposed to work why, but i didn't have much luck with it when my experience with iSCSI is you have to be very particular with the switches between the devices because if they don't support uh large what are they large packets or large i can't remember frame, the name of that large that, frame buffer something yeah i know what you're yeah something about. like that um if, if it does yeah, something large message something, but um, without the switch supporting that, then it doesn't quite work, and then you end up with a broken iSCSI connection, and then everything kind of goes to heck and handbasket. So I would say, um, if you want to shoot us back in a letter saying, you know, what you're actually looking to serve off of this device, you know, you might be in the same boat where I am, where, uh, and I hate to point at Drobo, but they seem to have the most bang for the buck anymore. Uh, but that might be the better solution for you to get everything that you're looking for in one purchasable, in one box with a warranty. Yeah. My, my next step in my household is a NAS. Um, yeah. I, I don't got, think. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to, I've got two media centers in two different rooms plus the, the couple of laptops, you know, like, like you, um, Travis, I've got, you know, family and everybody's got to have their machine. And and I think right now what I need most is a NAS, and so that's probably where I'm going to go next. I don't know that I do Drobo because they are they're top of the line, but you pay for it too. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the I think we're going to start to see the home NAS becoming more 
of a thing uh, but until the cloud, access to the cloud catches up with it. I'd love to have everything stored on Google servers, but, you know, as those of you who are watching the live stream know, my bandwidth sucks re- frequently, and I, you know, uh, and I pay a big chunk of money for bandwidth that isn't awesome. So putting all my stuff and in I, the cloud is just not really an awesome uh, option. And I'm in... And I'm in the same point as, as Seth, where bandwidth to my house, even though, you know, I, we, we pay a huge dollar point for my bandwidth. It's still nothing that everyone else has in a bigger city. Yeah. Um, so until bandwidth is not, is no longer an issue to the curb, um, I'm actually going to start putting all my stuff on a cert, on a NAS inside my house and then do it that way. Um, but, you know, Drobo, like I said, is, is, is a premium product, but you're also looking to do a premium type job. So I would look around. Maybe Drobo isn't the right solution. Maybe something from, uh, Buffalo. Buffalo yep. has a couple of them that are a little more lower priced. Um, so that would be something to look at too. Just kind of dink around, but let us know if, if we can, you know, maybe point you in a, a better direction with once we know what you're looking for. Seth, you had a comment? Well, I was just going to say, you don't want to do, um, whatever that thing is, uh, iSCSI. You don't want to do that at home over consumer grade switches or routers. It, 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 it will fail far more often than it works and it will just break down. You need one good box, get a couple of different hard drives stuck in it. So that way all of your, VMs will be able to act, will have a live machine right there and then have a NAS or something to store your data off of that. You don't really, you know, stay away from iSCSI. It's too complicated for home user setup. Um, but yeah, just one good machine, get a box that you can add extra hard drives in and put them in there. And that way you can like, um, it'd be up to you whether you want to have a main OS and VMs or a hypervisor setup and, um, allocate your VMs across the different drives and you will be fine with that. Yeah. Just to give you, um, some context, when, when I was a, n- a network administrator, uh, I had a, uh, a server with, uh, 16 processors, each quad core. So 64 processors and I think either 64 or 128 gigs of RAM. So that it was a big box, but I ran over 20 servers off of it. You know, web server, media server, print server, all, all VM servers. So, you know, each one of those was taking a certain amount of process. So in your home, right? So you get a quad core i7 system and throw 32 gigs of RAM in it. You're going to be able to spin up as many VMs as you want for, you know, 1500 bucks. Um, you know, that's not, that's not going to be a, a super expensive machine and you could easily have three or four lower quality, you know, uh, um, server grade sort of machines running 24 seven and not notice it. That's what I think. Mm. Uh, the where, where it's going to get you is accessing. You got to make sure you got a good storage system because all of those things fighting for hard drive access at the same time, going through a single bus. You don't want that on you know your motherboard built in SATA. You want to get an external uh, yep. st- storage array if you're going to go that way. Yeah, and definitely, you know it. it it's one of those things you have to know what your price point is for any of this too. 
So remember, no matter which way you end up going, each part is going to cost you a certain value. So you need to be careful that you're not overspending for something that you don't need. Yeah. And you know, that, 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 cause you can get out, you can, when I tried to do a, a home NAS for me, you know, and I was going to piece it all together myself, it ended up costing twice as much more, twice as much than it's a device that's already been pre, pre-built. So I've, I've seen that experience too. Uh, I mean, had that experience too. The, the, when you start, you want to build it yourself because you're a geek. Well, but you're, you're not a geek who's buying tens of millions of units a year and Drobo and Buffalo are. Yep. So All they right. can actually take care of the, you know, they, they give you better price points to look, to hit things. But anyway. All right. Lest we make this the Travis show, let's move on to Rick, who proposes a new EDL fundraising opportunity. He says, okay, as much as you, uh, as you would love to raise money to go drive tanks, I would, re- would, I would like to propose a better option. I would like to propose that the EDL, uh, EDL audience raise money to let Jonathan Nadeau drive the tank. Excuse me, NATO, not Nadu. I knew that. Jonathan NATO, drive the tank. Think about it. Blind guy crushes car with a tank. The YouTube traffic alone would be staggering. Let's do this. So that would be awesome. <laughs> I think, Rick, I'm going to put that on your court. Uh, you go out there and fire up the Indiegogo, and I will plug it like nobody's business. Uh, I know Jonathan would be on board with it, but yeah, we could even call it the blind guy crushes car with a tank project and and people would be all over it they would be i would contribute to that as well as plug it that would be awesome <laughs> that, that's such a cool idea we'd put him in a we'd put a helmet cam on him right and just have it be black this is jonathan's point of view <laughs> as he's driving the tank nice Oh, okay. Um, moving on, Spork Saber, one of the best names on the internet, is ready for the pepper eating to begin. Says, oh. hi, Mark. This message is in regard to episode 155 of Everyday Linux. On episode 155, Chris challenged the listeners to find an episode in which he said, quote, I like Linux. Well, it just so happens that I found an episode where he says those exact words not only once, but twice. Please turn your attention to Everyday Linux episode number... 155 22 minutes and 59 seconds into that episode is the first time chris says i like windows granted i'm taking his words out of context but because his full sentence was i never said i like windows but the challenge was not to find an episode where chris shares his approval (laughs) of windows the challenge was to find an episode where he said the words i like windows now i want to hear the ghost pepper eating great show guys keep up the outstanding work (laughs) i like it his so your logic busted, is hard Chris. to refute. I, I, well, I, I think somebody cheated on that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you, when Just you're dealing little. with the literal net, you have to I lay know. things out very carefully. Yes, yes, I understand. We'll see. So next, that's week, a little Chris bit of a cheat. Ghost pepper in hand. <laughs> oh, I love uh, it. We'll have to make sure we uh, put the video on the site if that happens. Um, <laughs> Longtime contributor to the sh- to the network, not just the show. Jim has a response for Jerry. Now I got a few emails about Jerry, uh, the guy who complained about the show, and, and I don't I don't want to bully the guy, but Jim's response was classy and funny, and so I went with it. it. Says guys, when Mark read a letter from Jerry, I felt a response was needed. After all, I've been listening to not only EDL but many of the Element OP podcasts since near the beginning. After much thought, I decided to suggest this to Jerry. 
there's a technological marvel that's been around for many years. It's called the on-off switch. Hopefully, I didn't get too close to the jerk line with that suggestion. I would simply add that I've always enjoyed the work you all do and look forward to each episode. Thanks for all that you do. So, there you go. No more. I don't think we have to say anything more about that. Mike, I mean, uh, Jerry, just turn us off. Uh, Mike has a weird question, but this seemed like a weird question episode, so I'm going to go with it. It says, hi, guys. Random question for you. Do colleagues of yours ever say, I'll ping you an email? I do, and it drives me mad. I try to correct them sometimes, but it's largely a futile attempt. That's it. A problem shared is a problem solved, as my mom used to say. Not convinced, but let's see if it works. Cheers, Mike. So, with use of the word mum and cheers, I'm going to say Mike is of the European persuasion, and maybe that's a European thing, because I've never in my life heard the phrase, ping you an email. Okay. I can. I, I will also chime in and say, uh, with the cheers and the mum, I could also say Australia, because I've heard Australians say it, those two phrases as well. Sure. Um, and I can say that I have heard of that phrase, and I have used it myself. So I'm sorry, but I'd be one of those people that would uh, drive you mad because now, I have used the phrase "ping me," but never "ping me an email." Yeah, okay. Wait, let me think. Eh. No, maybe not. Maybe not ping me. I'll ping you an email. I'll probably say I'll ping you with a message, but maybe not an email. I mean, I have said, hey, you know, here's a thing. When you find out, just ping me and let me know. Yeah. I've heard, I've said that. I've heard that, but not the phrase ping an email. Seth, weigh in. Break the tie. Well, I've heard and I've probably even used ping you, but I don't know that I've used the complete ping you in email. Um, and I just wonder, you know, when I came up with the title one ping only or, uh, I thought it would have to, I thought it would be the playoff of sonar. So hopefully you're not getting that confused. But anyway, I've heard I'll ping you or ping me, but not necessarily ping you in email or in email or with email. So I kind of, I'll throw a half to each of you. Yeah. <laughs> I think every workplace has its set of trite phrases that people are, that are said too much. Um, where I work, we circle back a lot. We're, let's circle back to that. We'll circle back to that later. We're in a meeting. We're talking about, it. let's circle back to that. The phrase circle back is used way too often. And the word bandwidth. I don't know if we have the bandwidth to do this right now. Hey, Mark, do you have the bandwidth to take this project? I don't know if Jerry has the bandwidth to do that right now. Look, I'm sorry. We can't take on another project. We just don't have the bandwidth. Um, those are two of the mm. things that drive me nuts. Um, uh, and somebody, uh, occasionally will put them together. You know, let's circle back and see if we have the bandwidth to that for that later. Ah, <laughs> stop saying things like that. <laughs> but maybe where you work, ping an email is just one of those weird things that's developed over time. It could be. Also, I don't like it when we refer to people as resources. Water is a resource. People are people i understand the concept of human resources but don't say i don't have a resource to devote devote to that right now say i don't have anybody who can work on that right now but mark you've got to get the synergy of the different fields yes. mingling yes. correctly synergy. and sometimes that's the best way to do that <laughs> let's circle back to that seth i don't know if we have the <laughs> bandwidth for that mark <laughs> when it comes to bandwidth seth you never have enough so no that's i a don't given. 
And moving on to our last message of the night, Dennis says, thanks. Just a quick message to thank you for all the hours of information and amusement, not always in that order, you bring to your listeners with each release. I look forward to listening each week on my commute to work. If you're still doing the distro challenge slash review, I would submit Ubuntu GNOME 4.04 LTS for consideration. I've not seen Sharknado or the sequels, so I don't know how well it compares, but I watched R.I.P.D. the other night. I think the actors did well with what they had to work with, but I don't think they will be accepting any awards. I do not recall having heard this page mentioned, but ran across it the other day while searching for information on the Orlando Bacon Festival, and why wouldn't you? Bacon Today, while there, the information on the Turbacon Duckin caught my eye. Doesn't bacon make everything better? Dennis. Uh, so he just crammed a, crammed a lot of things in there. R.I.P.D. I saw it. Wish I hadn't. Now, it wasn't terrible. It, it was it was fine. No, it was sub fine. It was okay. It was they wanted <laughs> to be Men in Black for ghosts, but it didn't have the charm. It didn't. It was one of those movies where they said, you know, if you turn right, the universe will explode. And the next line was, okay, everybody turn right. Like don't cross the streams. You know. Uh, at least in Ghostbusters, they said, didn't you say crossing the streams was bad? But I hate it when movies set rules and then break them, and RIPD was one of those. So yeah, it, it belongs on the bad movie list, but I don't know if it's bad enough to really be a bad movie, but it's certainly not good enough to be a good movie. It was a movie mm. I enjoy watching. Um, it's not one I would ever buy, but I wanted to see it, and I saw it, and it was enjoyable. So yeah. I won't say good movie, but I will say I enjoyed watching it. Now, remember, mm. when, when we talk about bad movies, by the way, we, the, our bad movie forum is for movies that are so bad, they're good, right? So, for example, the Ryan Reynolds of, of uh, gr- version of Green Lantern doesn't belong there. It's just bad. Yeah. It's not bad enough to be good, <laughs> it's, but it's not good enough to be good either. So, you yeah. know, you just got to you got to know and I think RIPD is is there. It's it's not bad enough to be good, but it's not good enough to be good either. It's better than Green Lantern. <laughs> what is it? I think I mean, there's a there, there's a lot of things that are better than Green Lantern, so I think I, that's a low bar. Green Lantern is such a great character. How come DC hasn't been able to do him right in a movie? Just don't understand. Yeah, I don't know either. I that mean, one I can't you have a character who can literally make his imagination come to life. There's so much you could do with that. But, you know, maybe that's the problem. Think of it, but he can't affect the color yellow. So, well, there is, you know, I know. Well, that's that's the old one, though. Come on. No, no. The old one was dip. The the old, (laughs) the oldest one was wood. Then it was yellow. But now it's nothing. Now there. Now he can handle yellow. Oh, well, yeah. so now he's basically God. So then he's, so, there's no fun anymore. Yeah. So no saving that school bus from careening off the bridge because it's yellow. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the tech news. Seth asked the question. Actually, Gizmodo does. What happens when you, what really happens when you like stuff on, on Facebook, but the uh, link is not what you intended for it to be? Uh, no, I clicked the wrong link. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, wait, what? I liked everything on. on Facebook I saw for two days. Here's what it did to me. And then, but the thing, what I'm looking at is not 
Okay. Anyway, this guy, um, Matt Honan, which I've, I had to stop and think he's the one whose account got hacked and we yep. talked about like a year or so ago. But yeah, he took this challenge. He's like, I wonder what happens if I click like. And so basically it got to the point that he was. And this is one of the main reasons I try not to like anything on Facebook. But when you like stuff, it Facebook will then kind of take and customize your feed to what you like. And by doing and he even had to set some ground rules, because if you like something, it pops up other things for you to like. So then you like those and it pops up other things and you would be in this infinite loop. So he said, if I like something, I will only pop up the first set of. If you like those, you might like this because otherwise, you know, he would just be clicking like all the time, but it changed his feed and people started emailing him saying, did your account get hacked again? Because I noticed you were liking everything on Facebook and he said he got to where he didn't even see any of his friends posts. He just got hammered with um, marketing, basically. Mm. Um, and it was just an interesting story. Um to go through and read what happens whenever you don't you don't think and you just click like. So it made me even become more self-conscious about liking anything on Facebook. Yeah. As I've said before, I don't like things on Facebook. If I like them, I actually like them. I right. don't click the like button. But I did notice that Chris liked Windows on his Facebook page. Oh. <laughs> Trying to get me in trouble, Mark. You're trying. <laughs> so, uh, Facebook is a steaming pile of doggy do, and we all know it, but it's the steaming pile of doggy do around which all the flies gather. And if you like the flies, you got to go there. Terrible analogy. Uh, but yeah, it it, I think it's one of those things where nobody likes it, but everybody's there because everybody's there. Um, yeah. Where else are you going to reach people? And the thing I don't like, you know, to me, Facebook should be a tool to point people to your stuff. You shouldn't try to make Facebook your stuff because then you're at the mercy of Facebook, which can just ban you or kick you off for no reason because they think you've upset the internet, Apple cart. Um, but yeah, you, and it's, it, it's like that it achieved critical mass. And so now it's become its own entity. And I, I, I hate Facebook. You know, used to, (laughs) I used to be on Facebook. And then when I wasn't on it and I got back on it, I would scroll down to the last thing I remember seeing and then go back up the timeline just so I could keep track of everybody. But now it's just like, look at the last two or three things and okay, that's it. You know, nobody died or uh, nobody I know died or anything like that. So it's okay. Uh, But yeah, I, I just, I, don't like it anymore (laughs) (laughs) all right um intel's new broadwell chipset the speed and power consumption or or the speed of a of an intel of a x86 chipset with the power consumption of an arm processor so they say Hmm. yes um core m is um what they're branding them as at least uh currently it yeah it takes you know because now if you want power in a laptop you've got to have a big kind of traditional size laptop but if you want portability and small then you can get some cheap little you know even a convertible thing that's about the size of an ipad um and you know so what this promises to do and again 
how soon it will is you can have your full figure, your full powered laptop in something the size of an iPad or even smaller, um, because of the breakthrough processing, um, they've done in this, in the chip design. So it just one of those things, you know, if the, com- if the computers get any smaller, I'm going to need smaller fingers to be able to actually <laughs> use them. Um, you know, like, I took typing in high school because I had a crush on the teacher who taught it. And so I can use my little Asus T100 to type because I, you know, I'm not hunting and pecking, but I can't really go any smaller than that. Uh, any smaller than that. And it's really too small for me to use. Well, the, the idea here, here is not to make the form factor smaller necessarily, but to right. make things that are already small better right faster so this makes you know google glass and the wearable watch thing as opposed to the non-wearable pocket watch um uh it, it, it gives them more power and also it allows you to make you know an ultra thin uh notebook that's light and has 11 hour battery life i mean uh, uh one of the reasons i think that the the new apple line has been of macbook pros has been delayed is because they're waiting for this broadwell chipset but what they're trying to do is really hard, as evidenced by the fact that Intel is more than a year behind schedule for this thing that they said they would, could do. They're finding that, yeah. you know, it's not actually as easy as we thought. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, golly, if you took the computers that we're all using today, if you could go back in time five years and show people the computing and run the benchmarks that were around five years ago on them today, they would go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. That's the most amazing thing ever. And we're like, right. but it's, it's so underpowered. <laughs> right. Um, you know, because of what we're used to, um, you know, it's, it's that thing. If you keep the same size, you get an infinite more performance, but you can kind of keep the same performance, but keep getting smaller. Um, right. I remember I used to be an inside sales rep at a computer company and, they brought out like this, this little tiny, which at the time it was like three or four pound laptop, which, you know, now you would call that a boat anchor. But then it was like, and the cool thing about it, you could go back in time two years from that point and it was like a seven or eight pound laptop. You'd, so it, yeah. you had the exact same power. You had yesterday's power, but in a smaller form factor. So, you know, if you all, if all you needed was a 486 and that's all the horsepower you needed, well, then, I mean, you could have that on a watch today, you know, but you know, you're not going to be able to have today's computing power on a watch. So my first laptop, I don't remember the model, but it was an, it was a Dell and it was a 14 inch screen. Um, it weighed eight and a half pounds. And I got about 50 minutes of battery life. And it was freaking amazing. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh. Okay. Moving right along. Yeah, we heard, um, ah, I'm blanking on the guy's name, who uh, had a ridiculous call trying to cancel his, uh, his uh, cable service. At least he got to talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Block, I think, is Thank the you. guy you're talking about. Yep. And the only reason I know that is because it referenced it in this article. Um, Aaron Spain, and I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name, but that's how it's spelled. He, um, 
once he got to the three hour mark on hold with Comcast, he started a YouTube session basically showing his phone on hold and they, they kept him on hold until the customer service, uh, line closed for the day. Um, and then, you know, he was promptly just like, I'm sorry, no one's available to take your call. Please try to call back tomorrow. Um, but you know, and of course, Comcast, they update and their response is under no circumstances is this experience we want our customers to have. They didn't say we're going to fix this issue. They're just saying this isn't what we want. Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, this is bad and this isn't us. But the only problem is it is them. And (laughs) dude, I, I, this is, I feel sorry for him that that happened. And I know the kind of pain it is to deal with, you know, but that, that's a, that's awesome. I wish I, I wish I would have thought, uh, to record just the time I've been on hold at times like that. Wow. Could you imagine being on hold that long just to talk to somebody? That's insane. Think I would have hung up thinking. and called back long before that. Yeah. Well, he, he said he, he got another phone and tried to call, but he, he couldn't ever get through. Yeah. So, so he was on the one line that they have there. Right. Um, yeah. Or they recognized his name, you know, because the other phone was also <laughs> yeah. registered in his name and they just, they weren't taking his call. So this seems like a good it, time to, uh, point out that, uh, our friends over at the Linux Academy are known for their excellent customer service. Uh, we, we hear feedback frequently from our listeners about how responsive they are and how quick they are to respond. And they don't leave you on hold for three hours. What else can you get at Linux Academy? You can get step-by-step video courses designed to take you from being a beginner to a Linux uh, administrator. And now they're branching out beyond Linux. They have um, uh, other things that just whiff my head. Other stuff. They do. <laughs> I promise you. Um, they have the PDF things- study guide. Yeah, they well, I was Amazon was, Cloud. Thank you, the Amazon Cloud. But there was a new one that they just started last week. I mentioned it last week, and I didn't copy that over anyway. Go there, find out, look for yourself over at LinuxAcademy.com, and you'll see not only the video, but the PDF study guides, the 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 um, practice quizzes, the all the stuff that we've talked about before. But what I want to talk about in this ad tonight is something, uh, some changes that they've made. Uh, one of these was brought to our attention, to my attention by one of our listeners that said, Hey, uh, we, uh, I went to do the 14 day free trial and it's now a seven day free trial. Uh, so I'm not sure when they changed that. Uh, but it's now a seven day trial for a dollar, uh, instead of 14. And that doesn't really bother me all that much. You, you, you're going to find out what you, what you need to know in seven days. You're going to know one where I, I asked, uh, Anthony if he would consider, extending that maybe just for our listeners uh because i really like the try before you buy thing but again it's it's his business he can do what he wants to do and and he's 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 lowered that from 14 days to seven days so you get a seven day trial for a dollar but like i said seven days is still plenty of time to figure out if it's where you want to go or not but the most interesting thing is he's lowered his prices and he didn't tell me what we really got to talk about this a little more anthony um so the 25 dollar month to month is still there the $20 every six months is still there, but he's lowered his annual rate. So if you buy for a full year, it's $199 a year. That comes out to less than $17 a month. Um, so that's, that thing that what was already a, a, uh, an, a 
appealing price has now become even more appealing. So I think it's what is sixteen fifty or something like that if you do the math on one in ninety nine divided by twelve. But what you're going to get for that $199 is so much more than you'd get for $199 at, say, a boot camp course. Or, you know, even, I mean, you could take one course on one module that might last a week and it would cost you $199. But at LinuxAcademy.com, you get a full year of access to their ever-growing catalog of courses that that are taught by professionals that are certified as high quality by independent um uh auditors and that are just plain good that's all there is to it so 7 days uh, get a uh, dollar buys you 7 days to look around see if you like it uh kick the tires look at some videos do some pdf study guys but really what what i recommend you do is start with the trial then then buy a month for $25 that's not a big commitment it's enough to let you decide. That one month is certainly because the seven day trial is, is limited. You don't get the full experience. That one month for $25, you're going to get the full experience and you're going to know one way or the other, is this for me? And then if you do, go ahead and roll that over to the year for less than $17 a month and just dig in. Now remember, this is an academy. This isn't a, uh, a hobby. This isn't a pastime thing. This is for people who want to learn. The whole point of this is to move beyond where you are in life right now. Do you have a job that sucks? Do you think learning Linux would make your job better? This is the place to go. This is career advancement for $17, for less than $17 a month. So go check them out. And when you do, use the code Everyday Linux uh, in the referral box. Let them know that we sent you. Also, the details are not finalized yet, but there's going to be, that code is going to be more than just a, hey, let them know we sent you soon. You're going to get stuff for using that code. And uh, and we'll we'll have more about that as time goes on. But I encourage you to go check them out. At least try the, the seven-day trial for a dollar and uh, and see, see what you think. I only know uh, of one person who is unhappy with it. And that one person sent me an email and explained to me the reasons that he was unhappy. But that's all the feedback I've ever had for the we've we've been advertising them for over a year now. I've had one person tell me they didn't like it, and dozens and dozens of people tell me they do. I like it. I've gone in there. I've looked around. Seth, the cheapest man I know besides myself, still <laughs> pays them every month. So that means something. So get go check Definitely. them out. Academy dot com. Yeah, yeah um, you won't be you so know, afraid thing- you did. Yeah, the one thing I, you know, we just kind of need to reiterate when you do that seven day trial, if you don't cancel, you will automatically be billed for one month, but they save it up front. You have your seven days for a dollar at the end of the seven days, you're automatically rolled over. So, you know, as before you had two weeks, now you have seven days, you know, don't sign up and think I'll get to it this weekend. Wait until you're ready to sit down and look at them and start your seven day trial. Um, one of the ways they limit the seven days is you can't, there's no downloadable content, but from what I've seen, they've removed you with the 14 day trial. You were limited to how many videos you could watch. Um, from what I can tell, and we'll need to get some clarification from Anthony on this. It looks like they might've removed that limit. So instead you now you just can't download anything, but if you want to go, to, from somebody who can watch a YouTube video to somebody who can administer Linux servers, the Linux Academy is your one-stop shop for that. You can go and the more you put into it, if you, if you want it and if you are going to study and apply yourself and like, I didn't understand that, stop, rewind, 
You're not holding up the whole class. Not everybody's looking at you going, would you please, for the love of God, shut up. I want to get out of this. You can go at your own pace. You can learn it. You can know it backwards and forwards. You don't have to set through this one four-hour video and try to figure out where you were. They're broken down into nice, manageable chunks. You can highlight it. Even after you get a job, you can then continue to go back and, how was it I did this one thing? Well, you can look at the course that covered just that one thing. Uh, the video that covered just that one thing and not try to, if you, if you look at this video and go to a marker three hours and 48 minutes, you'll see he briefly covers the topic. It's not like that. It's broken down, easy to use, easy to digest, move at your own pace and actually learn. Not just, not just videos, but it's the baseline videos and it goes from there with the instructor, instructor interaction that you can get as well as the downloadable content. The, um, the VMs that you can, that are hosted on the cloud, or of course you can download your own distros and configure them and blow them away and start over. It's really well worth it. From now on, I'm just going to start letting Seth do the, the ad. Because he does, I do an ad, then he does a better ad after I do the ad. So. <laughs> and now that we've paid the piper, let's move on to, hey Siri, how do I get away with murder? What? I, I can't believe this, but apparently um, some guy, um, you know, if, if you have Apple, you can just hit the button and say, you know, Siri, how do I blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he said, I need to hide my roommate. And then, um, it was apparently a joke develop, you know, because there's a lot of things and you can Google and find them where you can like, you know, if you've ever tried to break up with Siri or go out with her, they'll, they'll say different kind of things. Um, but, Siri's respond was, what kind of place are you looking for? Swamps, reservoirs, metal foundries, or dumps? Um, but now they've changed it to say, what, again? Um, so <laughs> if I don't recommend that you kill somebody, but you know, if you are, don't, don't search online how to dispose of a dead person. That might <laughs> be a giveaway that would tip the cops off that you might have killed someone. So. It's just a funny, stupid story. This would have made the periodic table, and we would have been riffing it all to pieces. <laughs> I, the, That's crazy. Criminals and are it's not, from Florida. So. <laughs> criminals are not known to be the smartest people in the world. Uh, but if maybe maybe don't murder somebody until after you figured out how to deal with the body. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Microsoft. Yeah, or you, Microsoft wins the right to go public about FBI requests. This is a big deal. Yes. Um, I really, I'm glad this story, you know, I mean, I love to, I love to diss Microsoft and slam them any chance I get. Um, and of course now, I hate you freaking, uh, sorry. It Whoa. Just, you know, I said freaking, I said freaking. Um, but no, they, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but today when I'm clicking on links in Firefox, now I get the little thing that says redirecting you to, but then it just stops at that and doesn't do anything. But um, anyway, now I'm in there. Um, no, my, the FBI wanted to know some information about some Microsoft customers and Microsoft pushed back and said, um, why do you need this? And, you know, the FBI was like, you can't tell anybody because this is national security, blah, blah, blah. And so Microsoft took them to court. 
eventually the FBI dropped the matter and said, well, we really don't want to know it, but you still can't tell people that we wanted to know it. And so uh, there was a trial and Microsoft won uh, in U.S. District Court. Um, the company's contention was that the portion of the letter requiring Microsoft to keep their mouth shut about the FBI request violated the company's First Amendment rights. So I think this is a big deal, and it's nice to see that at least this one time, you know, they were looking out for their customers and consumers. So there's only one thing about this that bothers me. By the way, I, I love the idea that the government can't quite be as shadowy as they have been. What The gag order is one of the most powerful things that the government has in their their back pocket. Uh, you will give me all your users' passwords um, and account numbers, and you will not tell anybody that we ask you for this. Um, that's the sort of thing that got Ladar Levinson uh, in trouble because he refused to do that. And, and you know, the, you hear people all the time, um, well, not all the time, but it's not unusual to hear people saying that, you know, I can't, I can't answer that question. Uh, why can't you? Yeah. Because if you do, you will go to federal prison. Uh, so I, I, this is a good thing. I like this, uh, yeah. the fact that the, that it's starting to swing around. What bothers me though about this is that a company can have a first amendment right. The companies aren't people. And I don't yeah, want I don't like the fact that we're going down that road. So if, if going down that road gets us a good thing, okay, that's fine, but it's still not a road we want to go down. Um, yeah. you know, it, uh, if <sighs> companies aren't people. People aren't companies. Uh, companies don't have First Amendment rights. They don't have Fifth Amendment rights. They don't. The individuals in the company do. But you know, I, I have a I have an issue with that. Um, and I, I know that's not a technical thing. It's a it's a you know uh, a political, political thing. But still, it's it's a it's something. It's a thing. This this is showing up in the terms of tech news, and it really bothers me that that companies are. That are, companies have sort of legislated themselves into the same position as people, and they're not. Yeah, that's it's kind of creepy too if you think about it. Because that you know there are anyway. I, I just I'm going to stop right there because um, it's like so many things. It's there's a two edged sword there, and the the edge that cuts your enemy can also cut you. Yeah, you know. It- and I think there's a distinction between a huge multinational, uh, company like, um, um, like Microsoft, um, and some, you know, a, a small time shop like my brother, for instance, he has his business and he, his business is him. And while I don't think that companies have rights, you can't take away someone's rights just because they own a company. Right. See, and again, like in that my doesn't case, apply in Microsoft. In my case, I'm, yeah. I, I have what's called a DBA, doing business as. Element OP is me. That's just, I, I filled out a form that said I can sign a check as Element OP Productions. I'm doing business as that name, but it's still me. So I am both a company and a person, and so I have all the rights of a person. But Microsoft is a multi-billion dollar corporation comprised of hundreds of thousands of people. They are not a person. And we need to get better at distinguishing between those things. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, though. It seems like it's going down a further 
deeper rabbit hole. Okay, uh, we got time yeah. for one more, Seth. Pick one. Um. Okay, let's, Kali. Let's let's talk about. Man, I don't know because all of these are different things. So we will just mention it because we haven't talked about patent trolls yet. So um, it seems that patent trolls are now. Um, I guess they realize that maybe the whole intellectual property in the internet is winding down. So now um, they're going after, for example, wind providers now, um, which I just think is pretty stupid, but. I don't really know what else to say about it, but now it looks like people who, you know, have windmills that, uh, produce electricity through wind, patent trolls, again, it's the same type of crap. They have their, they get these people together, sit around a table and they say, Hey, what if you do this? And then some lawyer writes up a patent application and they get a patent off of somebody's theoretical design, whether they put it into fact or not, whether it already exists in the wild. And you're going after people who, you know, I operate a windmill. I don't really, you know, and so they're hoping is that they won't be taken to court. People will just settle because it's easier to settle and give someone a percentage of your money rather than have to go through a law set to prove that they're full of crap. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this and- is not the patent in question, but it's similar to we have a patent on the blade that spins when it comes into contact with wind. Um, and so we're going to sue all wind power generating farms all Dutch windmill owners and every kid who's ever blown into a pinwheel. Um, <laughs> this is just stupid in, in all frame of mind. Yes. And, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it, but it's just like, you know, it's people like this that are killing industry. Um, again, you know, they, they tried to kill, uh, the internet and they, they stifled a lot of innovation. Now they're going after wind power and they're stifling innovation and they're stifling creativity and they're stifling market. Why would I want to get involved in setting up a, you know, in setting up a wind farm? Because, you know, I've got these, I don't know, let's say I have a thousand acres in West Texas that are just sitting there. You know, maybe I run cattle on it. Why can't I put up some windmills too? Well, if I do that, then all of a sudden you have stupid people. Well, I mean, and obviously they're not stupid. They're making money, but you have these carpetbaggers. Uh, if you're a Southern. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's going back to reconstruction era. <laughs> yes. That's um, a reach, but, you know, buddy. That's you, awesome. You, just, you have these ambulance chasers. Um, coming in to swoop in hoping they can basically and again technically by the legal definition what they are doing is not extortion but practically there's really no difference between this and being shaken down for protection money it's the exact same thing um it's a load of crap and it's killing it's one of the many things that are killing this country as william shakespeare said first thing we do let's kill all the lawyers um, yeah, not so good if you're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful because I work for a law firm. <laughs> so not all the lawyers, but you know, for for big, humongous companies that have, you know, that they think that an individual person doesn't matter, and they just ignore common sense and decency. 
you need people to stand up for the little guy because the big guys don't care otherwise. Um, greed has run amok and I hate that greed is thought of as a synonym for capitalism. It's not, but in today's society, it is. And that's what's wrong with our society. Greed is not capitalism, but because most capitalists are greedy, you need people to make them stop. Yeah. And patent trolls are not that. Just let anybody <laughs> be confused. Patent trolls are, that, that's really the best name for them. Troll is, is the best. It, they live under a bridge. They come out every now and then. They demand that you give them tribute to cross a public space. Um, and then you go on about your way. Uh, trolls are evil <laughs> in every incarnation, including patent trolls. Uh, so let's end there with that blanket statement. And let's talk about this week in history. I thought this was a cool uh, fact. Uh, not a factoid, but uh, a cool fact that I ran across. Um, August the 16th, so yesterday from the recording, a solar flare from the sun creates a geomagnetic storm that affects microchips, leading to a halt of all trading on Toronto stock market. So, huh. you know, this is 1989. So, you know, the web wasn't as, has, um, um, didn't have its fingers in quite everywhere it does today and to quite as large of extent. But a solar flare was able to halt trading on Toronto stock market. That's crazy. Could you imagine that if it happened now? If all trading was stopped on the stock market in it in today's age? Well that's that's happened a few times. There are certain uh after the uh the crash, the the Black October, I can't Black Monday, um there there are the the stock market has stopped a few times um where where things there was a a technical glitch at one point a few years ago that caused the market to lose like 80% of its value in 20 minutes they stopped all trading they reversed all trades and they started over again so that's it's not all that uncommon for that to happen but because it because the sun burped <laughs> that is uncommon yeah, but still, it's the well, what I mean. It's still it'd be amazing to see this the um the scattering of people when that happens. And as Seth corrected himself, there. Stop using the word factoid incorrectly, people. Factoid. Look it up. Means something that is not true, but has the appearance of being true. It doesn't mean a small fact. So stop calling <laughs> things factoids when they are facts. A factoid is not a small fact. Stop using it incorrectly. Thank you, Seth, for correcting yourself. <laughs> yes, I uh, I threw that out there on purpose. So yay, yay, knowledge. Woohoo! <laughs> you allowed my interpedent to have have a a little time off or out, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> the let's move on now to the dev slash random stolen title of the show of that section of the show <gasps> and seth reminds you to do stuff that you should be doing anyway yes um gizmag.com uh is where i came across this link and you know i mean i don't want to just do absurd stuff all the time because if i do it loses its punch um this is cool because if you if you're someone who who listens to our show you know, you probably know most of these things, but if you're like me, just cause you know them doesn't mean you do them. But, um, 
you know, this is, you can give to your grandma or your clueless uncle or brother or, or whoever. Just say, Hey, look at here. You know, I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, smart people on the internet. And if you can't trust random strangers, who can you trust? Uh, different things to do. And there's some things in here that you don't think of. Like, have you updated your Wi-Fi's router firmware? Um, you know, that's important to do. There's been a lot of vulnerabilities that have been, um, talked about and patched and updated in the past few months. I haven't done that. I need to check on mine. Um, you know, updating your operating system, delete stuff off of your hard drive. And, uh, you know, they, you talk about windows in here, but again, the same can be said, clean out stuff you don't use in Linux anymore as well. Are you backing up your data? If you're not using a program, you should get rid of it. Um, you know, is your file system healthy? Blah, blah, blah. Blow the dust out of the thing. Yes. Yes. That one is the best one. I've seen too many machines that look worse than that. Um, oh yeah. I, I, I do it as a twice a year thing for me personally when it comes to cleaning my equipment. At least twice a year when I change my clocks, I take them outside, I take all the computers out and I blow them all out outside at least twice a year. I uh, you know when I was working in the school system that was a that was a 3 week job in the summer. Pull every machine out of every room and blow the dust out of it. Um and until I talked with my every school has one of these or at least if you should if you're lucky uh, i talked with the handyman guy who can do anything and he built me this cool rig with a, an air compressor in the bottom and uh, a, a glass thing where you stick your hand in with the gloves like you see in in outbreak movies and the air compressor came up and there was a shop vac in the bottom so you blow the dust out it sucks it right into the shop vac and so now i could push that room to room and not have to carry every machine all the way down the hallway and out um that that's a little free thing there for you. Super cool thing, easy to build. He he. I mean, if you know what you're doing, it's easy to build. He knocked it out uh, in a day. But clean out your dang machines. We did that. Like I said, it was a three week thing. That was all we did for part of the summer. Of course, we had a lot of machines, and it was amazing the amount of dust these machines, little power fan running. You know, twenty hours a day, even or or twenty four hours a day in some cases. Um, can just suck in tons of dust. And I I don't do that at my own house as often as I should. I'm like the Ferrari mechanic who drives a broke-down VW. I don't take care of my own stuff. <laughs> and I actually I lost uh, a computer recently just to the little dust sweater. Uh, it was so dirty, it cooked itself. And, you know, and it died. And it was beyond repair at that point. It, a little can of air is good, but better yet, uh, get a, an air compressor if you don't have one, a cheap little air compressor, or as Steve Cherubino of Podnuts uh, used to recommend, a uh, leaf blower. Take that sucker out, hit it with the leaf blower, blow all the dust out, and uh, go on with your life. Or you can go to elementop.com slash Amazon and search for an electric duster. It is basically the size of a can of air, but that thing is freaking awesome. See, I had one of those and I it. thought it sucked. You like yours? Loved it. I, 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 uh, as, and I loved it so well. I was able to show the other people where I used to work it. And, you know, one, there's this little uh, filter on the bottom you have to take out and clean periodically, but it produces a lot of power and it's about the size of a uh, can of compressed air. And it's perfect for this. Um, electric duster. And actually that's, you can go way back in time. And that was the, um, link. Uh, or that was a uh, Cess link back in the day. 
<laughs> I just linked it um, to both the, to, into the chat rooms. The one that I use, um, it's the Metro Vacuum, even though it's not a vacuum, but it's the it's the duster, and I'm sure that's the one you're talking about, Seth. This yep. thing is awesome as long as you keep that little filter on the bottom clean. <laughs> um, I use it for everything. Uh, the only thing I you have to worry about is um, sometimes it's it, the, the that little nozzle can get a little close to some things, and you can blow off. You know, you can overspin your fans, and if you have processor fans and such, uh, make sure you have your fans stopped before dusting them off, because you would hate to overspin your bearings and then burn them out. But if you're if you're just doing this for your one or two home machines, don't don't invest in that. Use your your vacuum cleaner. Open it up, use the the hose attachment on your vacuum, suck the dust out of it. Uh, you know, do that once or twice a year. If you've got a bunch of machines, then the little electric duster or the leaf blower or whatever is a good thing. Or, or, you know, if you're maintaining a network, that's a good thing. But just the, you know, your one desktop PC in the living room. And by the way, do this to laptops too. You can't crack them open. Yep. But And DVD players yeah. and all sorts of things. But I will, um, just the... The piece of me that I, I want to make sure that everyone realizes, um, when Mark says the vacuum, don't do it in vacuum mode. You want to do it in blow mode because vacuuming that can generate static and shock pieces of equipment. So make sure you're blowing the dust out, not trying to suck it out. I've seen it kill two computers in my time as a repairman. That's not what I meant. I meant vacuum, but thank you for the warning. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I would definitely never vacuum. Always blow because um, don't I use just the nylon have... brush. Don't use the brush because that would definitely no. be bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Brushing is bad, bad. But definitely blow <laughs> because otherwise, you know, like I said, I've seen two, um, and maybe they were flukes. But I would much rather see people not damage their equipment. So Chris reminds you to don't suck, blow. <laughs> of course, you would take that out of context. Thank you. <laughs> uh, new title for the show: Don't suck, blow. Uh, uh, what do you think? What, what are what is the best method that you have of cleaning dust out of your computers? What are some uh, maintenance tasks that we forgot? Um, how about changing the little batteries inside BIOS chips? If you had a computer there that you long, you do have to do that from time to time. My computer, my desktop. Now, every time you turn it off, it forgets what time it is because the little battery's dead. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not good. Um, what else? Uh, you could always do, uh, you know, replace your fans. How many times have you heard a fan just making a horrible racket because it's got, you know, a bearing burned out or dust in it? Um, you know, fan replacement's cheap, and it, it'll make things better and quieter. Okay, so what what do you think, audience? Let us know by going to elementop.com, click on the Contact Us button, and tell us tell us anything. Tell us anything you want to tell us. Tell us how much you hate us. Tell us how much you love us. Tell us, <laughs> such, tell us how much you like bacon. All these things and more are on the table. We love to hear from our uh, our audience. Uh, if you have a show uh, suggestion, great. Uh, bring it on. If you want to be on the show, raise your hand. Say, hey, put me on the show. 
Great. We'll do that. Um, if you'd like to be on the show in your own vocal tones and hear yourself, you can call uh, 559-IMOP anywhere in North America and uh, th- leave us a Google voice message. If you're outside North America, just send me a, an MP3 or a Og Theora or whatever. Uh, and uh, just, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll do that. You can just email it to me to mark at elementop.com. If you want to email all of us directly, that's edl at elementop.com. All these ways you can contact us. And uh, we uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and I got nothing else to say. Chris, Seth, as always, thanks for being such great host. You, the listener, thank you for hanging out with us and for spending your time with us. We know that you could do lots of other things. There are lots of other podcasts out there. And we never forget that you choose us. And we thank you for that. And for now, that ends this episode of Everyday Links. <laughs>